Hi, and welcome to the Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast for your everyday and well-being needs. I'm Amy from The Wellness Strategy, and I'm here to bring you a podcast that is going to help you understand what this big complex idea of well-being is. We know it's a very much needed space to focus on whether it's for your own needs or that in the workplace, but we also know it's complex, it's heavy, it's made up of lots of different elements. It looks different from person to person, which is why within this podcast, we are going to dive deep into uncovering some mistruths, misconceptions, and just random ideas around wellbeing. This may mean that you have to listen to me ramble, and at times we'll have on some fabulous guests, but overall, this is about checking in with yourself. What do you believe about wellbeing? What do you need? What are you proactively doing? What could you do differently? And how are we working together on both an individual and collective level to improve the well-being of ourselves and others within the workplace it's big it's deep it's complex but it's also amazing when we do this work both individually and together so hang in there grab a cuppa pop your headphones in and go for a walk and let's dive into today's episode Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wellbeing Podcast. This is Amy, but today we also have someone else joining us and we love it when we have guests on. So today we have Valerie Ling and she is a clinical psychologist. She's going to really be helping us understand our wellbeing, especially, we just had a little chat actually, we did say post-pandemic, but actually it's really just how life is. And I know that we've got some really important points to cover and some practical strategies we can utilize, but before we do that, uh, Valerie, welcome. Thank you, Amy. So lovely to be chatting with you today. Yeah. So can you just tell us where you're from and a little bit about yourself? So I live in Sydney. Uh, it's miserable today as we're recording. Mm. I'm looking out the window. It is just grey skies and rain. <laughs> I have um, a psychology practice by the name of Centre for Effective Living in Sydney, as well as a well-being business called Centre for Effective Serving. And essentially, um, we're here in the midst of, as you say, the new normal or just the normal, trying to help our clients to, um, you know, sort of, I I think, grieve the loss of yesterday's and try to figure out how we're going to stay moving forward in the here and now. Yeah. Uh, I have kids as well who've gone through uh, the HSC. (laughs) During this time, during this pandemic. Uh Wow, yeah. Yeah, same, same, just what it's done for them. And, you know, really they're saying to me as well, mom, this is like just how we're going to do it, okay? No expectations or, or not high expectations. And I'm like, that's probably all you need at the moment. Just get yeah. through one day at a time. Yeah, and, that, and I think sometimes that's all we can do is just do it one day at a time. Definitely. Uh, you know, I thought university was going to be this amazing experience for my firstborn. And you know, you talk about well-being, like my memory of university was all about, you know, going to clubs and meeting friends, lifelong friends. And, you know, he's not had any of that really. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, that, and that's just, you know, there are some things that are just how it is. You know, we can't change that. We can't do anything no. about it. We can't. All we can do is look at it in a different way. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. So we were chatting before we got started uh, around, you know, sometimes that change and that transition can be really hard, especially having gone through COVID. And we know that teachers work in a service industry, so they bring a lot of themselves to work. And I know you work with some teachers as well as health professionals Mm. and other people in this space. And you mentioned a little bit before about 
burnout and mental health and what what that kind of looks like for service providers can you just tell us a little bit about what you notice in your space and what's popping up there so it used to be that burnout was more closely related to the serving and giving profession so Mm -hmm. you know classically you've got counselors therapists teachers nurses doctors etc however fast forward now uh, just with the pace of life and the meaning that we attach to what we do and and our identity meshed in with what we do and our sense of you know pass fail success tied to what we do burnout's a lot more pervasive Mm. It is predominantly characterized by emotional exhaustion and just a profound sense that you're just letting the world down, which is a huge burden to bear. That's massive, isn't it? It's massive. It's really um, insightful to hear you explain it that way because often we hear words like burnout or overwhelm or stress and our perception can be that it's because we're working too hard and that that is only one slight slither Mm. of a really big complex issue that is burnout and knowing that it is connected to our emotions and our sense of identity and self and and our you know that we feel like we're letting the world down our people the people down ourselves down that really broadens the definition of what people might perceive burnout to be yeah and one of the things that we're noticing of course just as we're seeing kids uh, we're noticing that the mental health burden on schools is massive mm. at the moment. A lot of children, the little ones, are quite dysregulated, not, not really having had a lot of social time outside of home, all the way up to the older kids who've been away from sunlight and you know learning in a really different way. So we know the mental health burden you know, that's walked into our practice has definitely shifted Mm. so you know it only goes to say that for teachers at the moment um it's it's massive change and a huge burden yeah and not just for the students that are in front of them and in their classrooms but also for themselves with everything that they've had to shift as they've gone through teaching then through Mm -hmm. the pandemic and then back into the classroom again for sure, uh, it's you know we we talk about pivoting uh, in the business sense that you know when you think about uh, for teachers they've also had to pivot their personal lives right um, because very often as you would know people who select into caring professions also care a lot in their yeah. personal lives can't turn that off <laughs> no <laughs> no and and that's what I was going to say I often say to myself Valerie don't care so much. <laughs> that's not rude it's not rude <laughs> it's not it's actually about looking after yourself too isn't it yeah 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 because our radar is probably like three times that of you know another human being so it's okay to turn down the caring <laughs> yeah tone down the caring doesn't mean you don't care no absolutely it doesn't yeah no. and that's and you, you mentioned to me before about how one of the things that we need to be able to do, and I think this leads into it, is bring in self-compassion to the work we're trying to do around our own well-being and as we look after ourselves, and uh, as, you know, whether that is through burnout, after burnout, or just in everyday life, how can we bring more self-compassion into our own space? So it begins really with caring for ourselves. I know we talk about self-care um, and sometimes that's likened to being indulgent or being you know luxurious but if you reverse that and just say care for self if we can accept that we are decent human beings who 
for the most part, do the best that we can Absolutely. and bring our best game and show up every day, whether you're feeling good or you're feeling sick or whatever, then we got to know that we are enough, right? Yeah. That, you know, that our best is our genuine, is our sincere, is our kind. And so therefore, having compassion on ourselves is being able to say, you're all right. Mm. You're, you're okay. Mm. You're having a bad day or this is really annoying you, or you're not quite feeling like you can do 100% today, that's okay because you are okay. You're an okay person. So I think self-compassion starts with that. And I often ask, um, you know, carers, like teachers, for example, professional helpers and carers, if you looked at your weakest student and you looked at your best student, do you really see them as being different <laughs> categories all together? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if your best student makes a mistake, you'll go, oh man, that's okay. We all make mistakes. You know, if your weaker student makes a mistake, you'll be like, oh, you know what? That's okay. Absolutely. We all make mistakes. <laughs> so therefore, when we turn that upon ourselves, it, why is it so hard for us to do the same when we're having a good day or a bad day? So we are much more aiming at the moment I'm noticing in the practice as I'm supervising and hearing um, the narratives that are coming from what we're saying to, to clients. Self-compassion seems to be the thing that we're saying. Mm. Uh, it goes with a shift in uh, capacities as well. Um, I was just saying to one of my kids today, um, it's okay, it's the COVID capacity. <laughs> you know, uh, We're all working at a different level right now. It's okay to actually just say, I'm doing the best I can. Mm. And I think that's such a great point. You know, all teachers, I like to think all people really are doing the best they can with what resources they have available to yeah. them. And that can be physical resources, mental resources, emotional resources. That's all we can ever do. And as long as you genuinely know that and believe that for yourself, that has to be enough. Absolutely. And we were talking about how, therefore, that community alignment is mm. really important. So, you know, in the last few years, we've probably had to reprioritize our pace and, you know, what we thought busy and not busy is. But I think it's also about re-investigating, uh, if you like, our community around us. You know, who's providing us these messages that we are enough? you know do we have people around us that encourage us and you know have compassion for us as well um, it may not be surprising and we certainly found that in the practice that a lot of relationships went through this flock mm. family relationships mm -hmm. um, friendships just went through this real resorting do you know what I mean yeah, like a swing, like are we going this way or that way? And like I even think about that in my um, some of my own relationships, it was reflecting on what are our values and what, why are we connected or what is our relationship built on and does that still serve me or does it not? And how do we get yeah. through this period? Especially when some yeah. relationships and connections, I think for teachers, you know, I mean, I would tell you I'm not that social, but um we're around people all the time during the workday, yeah. whether it's our students or colleagues. And so those incidental relationships that maybe we didn't recognize or value or appreciate or know how much they gave us when they were gone, it was like, whoa, that those connections really were valuable to me. Yeah, 100%. And, 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 and that 
that that sense of connection and community really got impacted and at the same time it was quite clarifying I think for a lot of people and quite surprising you know I think mm. for some people there have been some relationships they've had to let go of yeah um I know I've already spread the news Amy for what my Christmas is going to look like <laughs> I've spread the news do tell, do tell. <laughs> normally in October and this is this is how you know it's the weirdest thing to reflect on it for the longest time I would do all my Christmas shopping online in a, from October yeah because I didn't want to be in the crowds yeah <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to rock up to some family gathering like and look like you know the, the aunt that didn't care <laughs> so you know I do it all now and I was just reflecting how okay it's October this is what I would normally be doing but I, it's a new broadcast now what I'm telling everybody is I'm a health professional for the last three years I can't like I've cared, you know, the inside outs of me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So for this Christmas, we're just going to make whatever the Coles magazine comes up with Brilliant. for that issue. I love it. <laughs> right. That's all we're doing. And we're just going to have this period where we'll meet people. And that will be it. That will be all. <laughs> but that will be amazing. And that will be enough. It will be enough. And I will just, I would like to connect with the human beings that I'd like to say thank you to for their care and support during the year. Because you know why? I've then got to recharge for another year that's ahead Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. And I mean, that's a great example of sometimes where we just do things because we've always done them or we do them because we are worried or thinking about someone else's yes. perception or expectation. And that can be heavily draining on our own mental health. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, for those of us who enter professions like teaching, very often it's part of our normal role anyway. You know, we we give, we adapt and adjust our routines. You know, we use whatever days that we have off. You know, we all know mm. the teachers don't really have that um, just to continue to give. I remember talking to one uh, teacher in this last probably 12 months I was, I could not believe it. This person was already teaching a whole day, went home, still did the grocery, still did the housework, still cooked a full meal. And on the weekend, just kept going. Yeah. And I was like, let's just press pause on that for a minute. Who told you to do that? And largely it is also because if we get ourselves into that role, people around us get used to it as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so and it was so hard for this person to try to even make one change out of that. It, it made them physically feel sick. Mm -hmm. Because why? It goes back to what we were saying. It's not just letting the kids down. Now it's letting their family down or it's letting you know the the other kids in their family down as well so mm. yeah I think I think we all need to we we want to have a different narrative inside we've yeah. been frontliners we've been caring for everybody um you know sleep when the baby sleep is what I've been saying to my practice and my friends mm. which just means when the major responsibilities of your profession you know have even an iota of coming down you need to power down yeah <laughs> as absolutely. best as you can
Yeah, and it is yeah. working in those the flows that come with us. You know, I think we're we're given these times of of Christmas, for example, and it should and it really is about connection and slowing yeah. down and valuing the people around us and our loved ones, not hyping up with presents and running around and all different types of social events. Like it's okay yeah. to say this year I'm just focusing on myself and my family. Like no one is going, no friend will disown you. And if they do, that's when you can question, is that the right person for me? Yeah, yeah. No? That's it. Yeah, that, that's it. And I don't know, I mean, this might be controversial to say, but you know how they have these public campaigns? You notice it over the years for the, for the most interesting occupation groups like bus drivers, you know, do not abuse our bus drivers. And then, you know, you see in the hospitals as well, um, you, you have this. And I'm actually really noticing that, uh, I was saying to you that we're noticing a lot of anger coming through our mm-hmm. practice, a lot of anger. I think teachers are receivers of this swell of anger as well. Yeah, um, it's almost like, it, you know, we, we probably might get to a point where we need to have campaigns to help people to recognise this. But I do think as a profession, it is also about saying, you know, we've, we've actually had a hugely rough time uh, in the last few years and, and probably been the brunt of quite a bit of unhappiness mm. coming your way. And so, yeah, you, you want to be able to connect and feel safe, right? Safety. Psychologically safe yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And safety in the sense that um, it's, you know, it's interesting being a teacher. I'm thinking safety in the sense that nothing is going to pull you from where you are. So it's, teaching you know we give so much of ourselves to it we show up we're there all the time but at any moment something can change from that as well and it's you know speaking to some of my other friends who aren't teachers over um not even I suppose COVID more has allowed other professions to have more flexible working hours or working from home they just adapted and have rolled with that rather than being in the office five days and we just haven't been gifted that opportunity that just doesn't exist in our profession um my partner does triathlon and he recently did a an event and had to we had to come back late Sunday night so he could go in and teach the next morning and one of his family members said to him oh but surely you can just take like the morning off when you get in and it's like but who's going to look after the kids (laughs) it's you know we don't have those luxuries and that ability to go oh I need to go and and do something here or this has happened on the weekend and I need to slow down or even I'm tired and I can have an easy day behind my desk just you know doing some online shopping or whatever it might be and no one else will know because you got to show up for the kids all the time you can never switch off that's just so draining and even lately yeah as I say that and that has to link to some kind of anger or frustration in what the role has become more and more and like I think too I've got a younger brother who's just um stepped into the workforce and he's Working life seems like a holiday when I compare it to teaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even just noticing uh, the pace, even when you're in school, you're always on. Like, always. Can you, go, can you go to the toilet? Can you no. actually sit down? No. <laughs> there isn't really those opportunities. And again, you know, it's it, the the public if we if, if you could do a role swap although that would be horrific I don't think you would want to have somebody else in the classroom but uh, we don't have a, a, a natural empathy I think not at for, all do you know what I mean yeah like yeah, yeah. and that 
there are so many unspoken things about teachers and being a teacher that other people don't realize I know you work nine to three and you get holidays I mean that's just not true but we can't go to the toilet when we want we can't go and get a coffee when we want we can't eat when we want we can't um, take holidays when we want we can't you know um, take time off because we have to get the car serviced or we have to go to a doctor's appointment like they're just not available to us there are so many things that we can't do because of the way it's designed. We can't have flexible working hours. We can't start early and finish late or vice versa. And there, I think these are the unspoken things that really start to impact teacher well-being and contribute to the burnout because it plays on your emotional state. Yeah. So here's another emotion I think I've been reflecting on, like in our practice and in our profession. I've been I've been reflecting on how we can from that, you know standpoint of being self-compassionate is to actually be proud mm, you know hugely you're amazing gonna, yes <laughs> my goodness I've actually taken you know a whole group I've you know not let anybody down yeah um, you know I've gone through the most difficult emotional landscape today come out on the other end and I'm going back in uh you know is that is really um being proud not just of a profession but of yourself Absolutely. I mean, there aren't many adults that could control between 20 to 30 little people for two to three hours at a time with no other help. Like having 25 year olds in front of you and entertaining them for two hours, that is a massive accomplishment to do that time after time, session after session, day after day. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes with that self-compassion of actually being able to self-congratulate, self you know self-soothe not not being from a you know go and have a bunch of chocolate like just eat chocolates all the time (laughs) but you know being able to acknowledge the range of emotions that we're feeling as we're working you know as we're giving and knowing that you're not always going to get that from from the people around you I think that's the other thing that's entered schools is we have quite a consumeristic mindset now Mm -hmm. and unfortunately I think you know, we believe that teachers are our commodities <laughs> they're there to basically give us the goods. Um, and so we want to be able to give that to ourselves and comes back to what we were saying is, you know, who, who, who are the people in your workspace that can give you those high fives yeah. um, and just, you know, frequently reiterate, you know, how great was that? We're doing, you're doing a great, you know, you're showing up, you're turning up, you know, there's a real, there's a real honor in, in what you're doing today. Absolutely. And it can be so easy to, you know, I often reflect on the times when I was teaching you know, our staff room, sadly, are far, it's far more common to come across those negative conversations or the complaining or the whinging about this student or that student or the what the to-do list and the things I've got to do when in actual fact, we're doing amazing things all the time. And that needs to become the normal conversation. Yeah. And you and I were talking about it. It's, it's, it's not about celebrating the huge things. It's naming the, the rewards, the intrinsic rewards mm-hmm. that come, you know, as, as little as they might be. Because at the end of the day, you know, what's going to build our joy tank is, is taking note of 
those small moments of connection or the small moments where nobody else but you could have done that yeah it's <laughs> like in this child it's um I know personally that that's something that I am even working on in my own space it's not something that I'm naturally good at mm. to sit with the wins I mean many of you would know I have a book coming out and so even that which people keep telling me is a massive accomplishment I've struggled with sitting and celebrating that um I've just have wanted to rush past it and get it out or or do work with it or even Mm. little things like this recording this and getting it out that's a that's a massive thing to be able to sit with and go mightn't be a a huge event but it's a small thing and we should acknowledge that and I've, I've started just bringing those things in and just taking a few deep breaths and going you know that that was really good but I think for many of us it mightn't be it's a natural thing to do. We've got to teach ourselves to do that. Definitely. Recently, I've been thinking, um, and it comes from a book I was reading, but gap and gain thinking. I think when we, uh, like psychologists, we, we have been formed in gaps, meaning there's always the next grade. You know, you mm. get you got to get into a four-year degree. Then you got to get into honours. Then you got to get into master's. Then you got to yeah. get into master's, right? So you're always seeing your gaps. <laughs> yeah. you know so so when you get out you're always thinking about all the gaps oh I could have done more for that client or you know they've, they've had 20 sessions I should have been able to do it in 10 you know mm. always in that gap thinking but game thinking is continuously looking backwards not from a regret point of view but you know 24 months ago did you have this podcast you know 12 months ago did you have a book or a book draft yeah, that's an amazing way to look at it yeah <laughs> yeah you know even six months ago um where was your brain at six months yeah. ago in terms of some of the discoveries that you were making uh, so I've recently even just saying to my husband I've been saying okay reflect on the gains and be really loose with the gaps yeah <laughs> I don't know go here and gaps <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. And we're so quick to find the gaps, aren't we? Just tell me the gaps. We are primed to it. Yeah. Yeah. Even you're making me think now with things like when we do work performance or we have to have professional discussions around where we're heading. It's the gap. It's the gap. You haven't done this. You need to focus on this. This needs to be better. Why are we always looking at the gap? There's so many other things. Yeah, and if you really think about it, and I think it goes again with this message of self-compassion, you know, I often say to um, to clients, you know, you're not, a la- if we look at your history, you're not a lazy good thing. You will naturally move to try to cement gaps and improve and all of that. You don't have to live there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you will Definitely. probably naturally move to that if we're growth-minded, you know, yeah. which is also celebrating where we've come from, and being present-minded about you know where we're at, and having a growth mindset is not just about cementing gaps, but it is also about being able to say it's okay uh, to have detours. You know, it's totally. okay to go slow sometimes. <laughs> and that's just how we—that's just how humans are. Sometimes we're up, and sometimes we're down. And but down doesn't have to be a bad place, and it doesn't mean you have to stay there. You know, it's just yeah. where you are in that moment. And I think for some teachers right now, they might feel like they're stuck there. You know, we mentioned before about we were talking offline about having, you know, you've got to have your why and your purpose. And I think for many teachers, they feel like, 
well, I don't have my, this isn't my purpose. This isn't my why anymore. I don't know. And, and does that mean there's something wrong with me? Am I broken? Do I need to leave the profession? Am I doing, am I not doing my kids a good service? Like, you know, I think it's okay to not love your why right now or to forget what it's like mm. or to mm. feel like your why is letting you down. Like sometimes mm. it's just how it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, when we, we, we look at the know your why and know your purpose literature um, and you map that really to psychological well-being, we're all, we want to feel like we're heading towards, you know, something meaningful and we're engaged. Mm, yeah. But that doesn't have to be big on bombastic, right? It doesn't have to be life-changing, game-changing. Uh, it's about taking note of, those small moments when you can say you know that was a good day because or it's been a good day because I showed up yeah Uh, it's been a good day because um, I was able to smile (laughs) at so and so Uh, or I noticed a little interaction that happened uh, between two human beings uh, that's that wasn't there before Mm. um so that why purpose I think coming from sort of your business literature gets tagged to that sort of goal and and scaling and and making things big and making a difference in the world um I don't know what you think but you know when when we actually look at the more positive psychology uh, interpretation of it it's meaning engagement totally meaning and it's about it's it's again about teaching yourself to acknowledge and recognize the small things like look at the beautiful flower or the sun is yeah. up or um, yeah. someone asked if I wanted a coffee or someone said yeah. my, my colleague got my papers from the photocopier those moments can actually when you stop and appreciate them bring so much joy and there is immense amounts of meaning in that and those small moments rather than just waiting to go on that holiday or whatever might be that birthday or something like that that you might be celebrating it's because we want to feel fulfilled and have meaning and and purpose and connection in every day and that happens when we start to recognize that it is the small things that make the big things and I like that's had that's something I've had to work on myself and I, I think you know it's a bit like um Barbara Friedrichsen who talks about the broaden and build theory the more you the more you notice positive emotions the more they come the more the more you notice the experiences the more the experiences are there it's it's mm. it's a bit like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way if we're going to say we notice them we notice them and then they just it just ripples everywhere and I think it's those small moments that allow us to feel joy fulfillment and that we attach that meaning to that bring us that sense of purpose that's where it lies mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That might be a good place to end. What do you think? Yeah, I just took a deep breath in going, yeah, this has been, you know, a really meaningful connection. I mean, you and I haven't met. No. Um, you know, it's always a gamble and a risk to reach out and, and talk to a human being. But it is really nice, isn't it, when you can talk to someone and they've looked at, like, the massive problems that they're working in and you're looking at the massive problems that you're working in and then you can come to this common denominator which is to say it doesn't have to always be about the big wins and that we can encourage one another to it's not toxic positivity it's just 
training, retraining our, our yeah. brains to appraise moments mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. I liken toxic positivity, which would be a whole different podcast, by the way, but to yeah. um, kind of snapping yourself out of it and yeah. and not uh, valuing all emotion, um, positive or negative, and, and not seeing them, all emotions are valid. But I think there's been some miseducation around the difference between toxic positivity mm. and then allowing yourself to think positively. They're different things. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an attribution bias. Most of the time, we have an attribution bias to be self-critical, to look at the gaps, and to, you know, pursue uh, things which will make us feel negative. Um, I think this is really a, just a lovely reminder to, uh, you know, attend to those moments as well when you can find meaning and joy totally more meaning and joy that would be beautiful for everyone (laughs) all right before we finish i'm going to ask you five really quick questions you ready for that yeah go for it okay let's do it what do you think is the most underestimated thing you can do for your well-being sleep oh same sleep (laughs) yeah what well what is your number one well-being tip then um look i have to say i'm big on sleep Um, And it sounds like such a weird thing to say, but if there's one bank, but there's a couple of banks we all rob ourselves from for hustle and push, it's sleep. And yet it's so foundational to our well-being and nobody should call someone lazy for needing to get more sleep. Absolutely. Or having a nap. Let's all having a nap. Totally fine. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you wish you knew about well-being in the workplace before you began working or working in this space? I wish that I, this is going to be a bit of a, a, lot, a, a big answer. That's okay. That, um, I've recently been reflecting how I thought I had to keep myself small in order to pace, meaning, you know, don't, 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 don't go for more, like don't, you know, put up your hand or don't do all these things. But actually I've realized that's not necessarily a well-being um, strategy. You have to actually know what you want to say yes to. And build capacity and creativity and courage and support to say yes to the things that are going to bring you more of the things that are meaningful, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that in the well-being space, um, I just thought that I should just keep everything small. <laughs> don't do this, don't do this. Oh, yeah. too scared. I'm too scared. Oh, that's that's gonna break me. Um, no, I think that's that's probably something that wasn't uh, fantastic for me. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. What's mm. the best or worst piece of advice, well-being advice you've ever been given? The worst well-being advice was my first job interview straight after university where they told me it was in a consulting firm. Um, you will, you, you know, you, you won't be able to sustain a marriage. You, your kids aren't going to like you if you want to get, so ahead, of job, <laughs> you know, get into, ahead of this job. You're going to have to build a real sense of grit to, and it's not even grit to, to, to keep going. So ambition equals hustle. That mm. you, you just have to um, push through, and then you'll get your well-being pie in the sky. Yeah, that's <laughs> we're going to break that apart, don't we? Yeah, have to be that way. Mm. Um, the best for me is that there are rhythms: mm. uh, your own individual rhythms, your work rhythms, the season rhythms, and once you know what those rhythms are, you can confidently take your leave and take your rest stops that work for you, but also work for you know the kind of seasonal 
stuff that comes ahead. Oh, I love that. I've been learning a lot about that from a spiritual aspect. So how yeah. the seasons play into our well-being and, yeah. and living and learning from you know waking up with the sun and going to sleep with the sun and yeah. looking at what's happening in our garden and then how to relate yeah. that to our yeah. own way we live. I think yeah. there's so much we can learn from yeah. nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. That song, sunrise, sunset. So I've recently been sitting with my daughter catching the sunset. We don't do that anymore. The sunrise, sunset, we're always inside. So we've been fun. making tea and just going outside and just noticing how the world just comes to its own natural conclusion and the beauty of the sky. This sounds a bit woo-woo, but... <laughs> oh, I'm all for the woo-woo. I, I, I do study a little bit of spirituality, so I'm all for that. And, Yes. And, you know, and the moon and how the moon works in its phases and yes. how we can learn yes. from that as well like we're meant to we're designed to that's what we did before yeah we yeah. yeah yeah you know we look down so much now you know when we're, we're actually designed to look up more right if you think about how we've navigated the world a lot of it is by looking up actually exactly, yeah. in the old days yeah yeah learning from here not down here <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely all right and the last one what's one thing you're working on now for your own well-being um, I'm working on self-compassion with exercise, Amy. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to have a really, uh, I wouldn't say it was highly regimented, but I was highly pro programmed with my exercise. I have been that person. Yeah. And feeling guilty yep. and all of that, mm -hmm. you know, and feeling mm -hmm. like I need to burn more. Yep. Um, the older I get, the more I realize I actually have to stretch more. And yet in my brain, that feels like a cop-out exercise. Oh, I feel that. <laughs> so I'm trying to work now on my relationship with movement, which oh. includes, you know, stretching. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and moving for fun, really. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. And and knowing that exercise doesn't mean you have to get hot and sweaty. It's actually about movement and re-energizing our body in different ways. Yeah, and your body getting a chance to have a different experience as opposed to constantly, like, in, you know, in a frozen yeah, yeah. posture. I love that. Well, thank you so much for hanging out and chatting. This has just been awesome. I know, I'm kind of blocked. Thanks yeah. for having me, Amy. <laughs> no, you're very welcome. We'll put your um, all your links to your social so people can find you there and your contacts and a little bit more about you. But again, thank you. This has just been awesome. And if anyone listening needs anything, please reach out to Valerie or I. We are always here to help. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me just now and listening to that episode. What a delight it was. As always, please make sure you are following me on social media to stay up to date with all of the current news, latest things I'm offering, and just overall well-being tips, tricks, and strategy. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram at underscore the wellness strategy, and my private Facebook group is the Teacher Wellbeing Hub, which is designed for educators, but of course, anyone else who wants to be a part of that. If you need anything, email me at hello at amygreen.com.au, find me at the wellness strategy online, and reach out if there's anything you need in the consulting or coaching space this is about working together to ensure that well-being thrives both in and out of our workplace in and out of our home and together this is how we get real change this is how we do the work it's exciting and it's fun and it's work we can do together so if you're looking for something let me know i'm always here to help as always it's been a delight and i'll see you next episode